sun rises again in england we give the english all stars a go and forget sterling and all aboard the samba salsa train this is the talkie talka podcast hello and welcome so today we have the freshly returned radha ji who's come back after a long absence from the pod how are you doing doing great swag uh, had to come back you guys were running riot without me uh, too much time spent on liverpool trent alexander arnold i had to come back i had to cut my trip short and get back here you 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 had to come back to defend the honor of trent alexander arnold and uh, i'll go next to the perpetrator of these hate crimes rk how are you yeah i'll be the very innocent child uh, you know uh, because united hasn't really played too much since the last pod so i'll i'll try to make yeah. peace and finally we have ashwin how are you my friend i'm fine i'm fine i'm just um, i'm just waiting for rk to go past his tipping point and let loose one of his cannons <laughs> <laughs> right so let's start with uh, your moments of the week so who wants to start us off uh, ashwin what's your take what was your favorite moment of this week I'll probably go with the easiest one, Son's hat trick as a substitute. I think he came on at the 60th minute or the 59th minute or something like that. Only the seventh player in Premier League uh, history to get a hat trick as a substitute. Two of those players have got their hat tricks against Leicester, so that doesn't read really well for Leicester. Yeah, for me, uh, it has to be the Vinicius a moment during the match. I was just scrolling through social media, waiting for Madrid to score, and for the inevitable you know stream of tweets to come with a video after all the abuse that he suffered i think it's just about right that uh, uh, like the way they celebrated him and rodrigo and the real madrid team radha ji what are your thoughts i think after a challenging few weeks i think uh, i have to go back to that 89th minute winner that joel matip scored but i think it's better that we won it this way it gives you a momentum hit that not even a 9-0 can give you so it, it it was a really good moment for us may not have any impact on the season but there is a real feel good factor now after that yeah and for me it was if you've already seen the latest all or nothing if you remember when brentford came up last season they had uh, their opener against arsenal and they beat them there's a section where uh, arteta shows a clip of ivan tony uh, posting on twitter saying good kick about with the lads and when arsenal beat brentford this weekend guess what gabriel did he posted the exact same tweet they remember i'm telling you uh, there's something about this season it has a lot more needle and banter than any of the seasons in the past this is happening almost every week uh, tony was going at uh, mitrovic earlier in the season it's 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 pretty it's pretty fun for us to watch I guess then uh, let's start with uh, Arsenal I guess we've been missing the adulations that uh, Radha keeps giving Gabriel Jesus and um, the Arsenal team about how they're title contenders and uh, they they just they, they're just carrying on man so they had a setback against United um, which we discussed earlier that it could have gone a different way as well they did play well initially but they sort of folded after they after they went behind but 
uh, they've come back. So so that bodes well, I guess. I mean, they've it's not as if they've folded like uh, in the past where they've uh, lost and then they've just gone on a streak with it. They're like, we don't care. So that's something different that's happened. Yeah, I don't think um, um, there was any doubt about their mentality because in the I've missed now a couple of game weeks, but prior to the United game, there were a couple of games where they had to really dig deep and come back and they did. Uh, so I think that character that Arsenal have shown this season is already something different. They're playing away from home. Brentford is a tough opponent. They've already given really strong opponents a, a run around this season. Uh, but they cut them through in the second minute of the game with a beautiful move. And then they scored off a set piece. Gabriel Jesus scored off an open play header. They're scoring different types of goals. It's not all the same happy-go-lucky, let's-have-fun kind of football. They're doing the hard stuff. They're also having to come back from difficult situations. I'm genuinely impressed by the team. Yeah, and what was really impressive for me was that they were away at Brentford. I expected them to beat Brentford, but they very dominated them and played them at their game. As Radha said, to score a set-piece, you, you generally expect Brentford to kind of pose you problems on set-pieces. Arsenal didn't allow Brentford to pose them any problems, set pieces or otherwise. I think Brentford had just one chance, one good chance in the game. What is really impressive for me is how consistently Arsenal have started to hold their shape. In this match, I think right throughout the game, they were good. Against United also, I think we talked about it in the pod as well, that they were actually impressive. Despite the result, they made some mistakes on the counter, but they are a young team and those things might happen to them. But they are not, you know, bending down... Uh, as they would normally have done before they are fighting back they are showing real resilience yeah let's see interesting times ahead for arsenal and i think they might be a rival club to all of us uh, but uh, it's i guess it's nice to see that sort of revival there it's it's more fun when everyone is more or less as a, at a similar level just to finish up on Arsenal before we move on, I think uh, I, I think three, four weeks ago, I mentioned that they were playing so well and their best player from last season, Bukayo Saka, Saka was probably not in the, in the action, but that's completely changed in the last two or three weeks. So he's involved in everything. He's scoring and assisting again. He's uh, like running defenders ragged. So I think now everybody is kind of peaking at the same time. That bodes, bodes well for them. And then I guess I must thank you for this Bukayo Saka thing because uh, that was the reason for my defeat in the draft this weekend because his two assists made sure that I ended up losing by four points. So so moving on just across uh, from Arsenal to their uh, rivals Spurs. Good old son who comes on and uh, scores a hat-trick within 14-15 minutes admittedly against a Leicester team which is marooned at the bottom of the league so uh, probably not that big of a statement but it's definitely good for his confidence and he seemed to get more and more confident as the goals kept coming in by by the second of the, the first he was he seemed more relieved by the second he was probably shushing up people as well so he seems to be back good headache for Conte to have but uh, Leicester seemed dire um, I, I would slightly disagree there swag because I, I I think the score line was a bit flattering Leicester at one point could have easily nicked a draw uh, but then Son was just just like I said a man on a mission I have seen a bit of Leicester over the last few weeks against Arsenal and against United as well and I thought and also the end of last season. So, I have always been saying that they have been struggling over the last 8-9 months. This performance was much better, especially in the first half, than what they have done all over those 8-9 months. Conte made a small change in the second half. He, um, I think, made it a three-man mid. 
Bentancur started to press a bit higher up the pitch, and that's how I mean it's still completely Enidi's fault. I mean you can't credit Conte for that, but that had a part to play in Bentancur winning the ball higher up the pitch, and then of course we have already talked about Son. I think Conte also mentioned uh, about how he he did this previously with other teams, uh, and it did not really go as per plan. So I don't know, Swag maybe. You would know which players he was talking about. Yeah, I mean, he his second year at uh, Chelsea was definitely a case in point. Conte was being considered for the United job as well. I guess if I remember correctly, most of you didn't want him to to take the take the role because because of this precise reason that he he would just pick fights with uh, people across the board. Diego Costa is someone who who springs to mind as a very key example in in something like this. But Swag, just a point you were making about the United's next manager and all, right? So at that point, situation was so dire that although a lot of us didn't want Conte, but me personally, I was, despite all the apprehensions about Rodgers, there was a time when I was okay with Rodgers being the United manager and Look where that's got us. Rogers almost at the verge of being sacked. Yeah, I think that's probably the reason why Potter has decided to take the Chelsea job now rather than wait for the England job to become available because you never know, just a just a small bad run and you might be out of the reckoning. I feel really badly for, for Brendan Rogers. Like I think his whole career can be summarized in all the patterns that we've seen so far. It seems to he seems to overperform so much and change people's expectations uh, whenever he's involved but then there's also that kind of mental brittleness that means that he's not going to take that next step when you are all expecting him to Wilfred Ndidi probably one of the best defensive midfielders in the league he looked like a championship player yesterday like he had no idea what was happening around him the awareness wasn't there everything was slow I don't think it is about training and tactics anymore. I think they've reached a rut which I think can only lead to one direction. That's Brendan Rodgers getting sacked. Potentially. Let's see how that plays out. I think he is on the brink. He's been mentioning stuff like this in the interviews as well now, post-game interviews as well. Uh, So, so we've talked about Farmers League and stuff like that in the past where you've had teams like Bayern winning and winning and winning over and over again. Do we have something like this when it comes to a player? Does it get boring if Erling Haaland keeps scoring 10 goals every 5 games? Does that ever get boring or with players is it a different situation? Because if that's the case then we're coming to a tipping point pretty soon. The rest of the world is in a farm and our man is in industrial revolution. He is way ahead of the curve. He is making a mockery of this league. Alan Shearer, Luis Suarez, Cristiano Ronaldo, all their stats are going to look like shit in a while. Um, It's what I re- okay, I'm not going to talk too much about Haaland. I mean, we're going to do this every week at this rate. But what's so beautiful about watching City play is that there's this moment where the ball comes to the edge of the box and then there's somebody who makes an overlapping run. At that moment, everything is stationary in the box. Everybody is standing still in the box. The moment that pass gets played to the overlap and typically it's a Cancelo or a De Bruyne where you know that the output is going to be close to perfect, then suddenly everybody just snaps into action and they run, make a diagonal run in front of the defender. If a guy like Grealish is making those kinds of runs, Haaland has always been doing it, he's going to do it better. City is going to be hard to stop. That ball will come in perfectly and people are getting in front of their defender so efficiently, it's going to be hard to stop. I think this league is done. We might as well wrap it up. Yeah, and uh, Haaland, uh, like the thing about Haaland is, I think, uh, like the first thing is, uh, I think whichever league he goes to becomes the Farmers League automatically. That's, I think, what he's doing. 
uh, however i also felt that uh, the way kilman especially defended against him was very disappointing for me i don't think highland did anything exceptional by his standards on the goalie score uh, kilman on more than one occasion just stood off him and he was really scared to take him on so i think what we are also going to see is players getting beaten before they even play highland that's what highland is going to do yeah i i know there's been a lot of talk about highland but like i mean i watched it watched him and uh, at dortmund as well like uh, to me this wasn't a surprise i know a lot of people thought he would be a target man he'll be like i don't know lukaku or something that's not how he played at dortmund like he would always always you know he'd link up with jude bellingham he would he would be on this uh, back, you know on the end of a cross from marco royce as well like he would have like his moments he would get involved quite a bit grealish did not have that um you know attacking f- force in front of him or next to him to provide assists to with haland that changes so um yeah we we might as well be wrapping up the league as uh, raja mentioned yeah just one more note on city calvin phillips who's badly played 15 minutes this season at a saunders way into the england squad now has a shoulder injury so his season doesn't look close to starting anytime soon so moving on from universal soldier uh, sequel set in the premier league um, we move to the other end of the table where we've got lots of teams bunched up together okay fulham have made an exception and they've they've jumped out of that so credit must go to marco silva for that they've done well and he's been able to bring mitrovic back to a place where he's able to score in the premier league as well i forgot about um... this guy having signed but it was nice to see willian running down the wings and um, he's still got that little bit of dynamism in him it was good to watch i think they have a lot of uh, talented midfielders uh, andreas pereira is actually doing a lot better than i would have given him credit for uh, he's owning the set pieces as well and good to have somebody like willian with that little bit of experience and also the energy he kind of lost it at arsenal but he played a pretty good game last time around we've talked about forest capturing so many players and despite that it seems uh, or rather because of that it seems not very cohesive maybe they need more time with that will uh, steve cooper get more time is is something to be seen because uh, they're in the relegation places right now everton is another club who we've talked about in terms of yeah they will struggle and lampard will probably get the sack which has not happened and in fact Thomas Tuchel and Scott Parker have preceded him in that at least two heads have already rolled it still feels like they've got lots of uh, belief and support for the manager so so that's something that's nice i don't know what's happening with west ham though they were not supposed to be in this discussion and it was very funny yesterday on uh, in the in the press conference there was a journalist who asked david moyes something and uh, he started it off saying moyesy what's the thing on this and that and uh, and obviously miffed Moyes said, "Moisey, ah, I don't think we're that close," and then went on to talk about uh, what. Uh... Yeah, so uh, Moyes, uh, in his presser, uh, like talking about the press conference, he was also asked what his best combination should be, and he seemed to kind of deter about whether he should play a four-four-two. So again, like what struck me was he's not really sure now of uh, what his team should be. After getting all these players, uh, Skamaka has go uh, has scored three goals this season. Corne has five assists, but uh, like neither of them are able to get into his uh, Premier League team. His normal, you know, strong strong men from last season are all out of form. Jared Bowen is out of form. Mikel Antonio is out of form. Even Sochek is struggling in midfield. So 
it's even more mystifying for me you know why he doesn't bring his new signings in so as long as he's not able to decide how he wants to play between his you know rugged style of players like saucek and the kind of ball players that is brought in i think the uh, uh, like the longer he takes to get fixated on how he wants to play he will be struggling and that's really bad news for moes because west ham have invested a lot and they won't wait forever yeah and that's probably the pressure that's telling on him he's second guessing himself now not sure what to do but lots of teams bunched up together which probably talks about the competitiveness of a league as we keep saying it's not the team at the top it's about the other ones how closely bunched up together they are that means whether a league is a farmers league or not so by that parameter i think the premier league is fine we should be okay so moving on uh, that brings us to the end of uh, part 1 in part 2 we'll uh, we'll start off with uh, the discussion of the champions league uh, Welcome back. Uh, in part two, we are starting off with uh, the Champions League roundup. Liverpool managed to turn a corner, uh, probably fueled by what RK had to say about them. So, Radha, you think uh, you you've said that it seems like it's probably a corner being turned with the way the performance uh, in this game was. Okay, to start with, I'm going to say I don't think that we've turned the corner. I hope we've turned the corner. I think the inconsistency has been the biggest issue this season. That said, I think a lot was made of the Napoli game. It was a freak game in many ways. It is not uh, very rarely in the last seven eight years of watching Liverpool have I seen a game where the lack of effort or the lack of just trying to kind of do your basic job has ever been a complaint. And this is one of the few times it happened. So I'm going to write just that for, game off. Just just for the listeners interest because they can't see us right now um, as soon as radha started talking about the napoli game rk has switched his video off i wonder why that is no no i uh, after after that game i think all liverpool fans should be switching their video off but it was a terrible game i think uh, deserved to get beaten could have been 6-0 in all honesty but any anyway that's a, that was a freak because you never saw the lack of effort in a liverpool team I'm super happy that that came back against Ajax. Ajax was a really is a really good team, really tough team to play against. This was their first I think away defeat in maybe 3 seasons, which is like a pretty uh, shocking stat. So they were really good. I, they could have done a lot, but I think we completely smothered them. We were pressing from the pressing as well as we usually do. Our defense was on uh, on form, but they still had two really good chances. There's still some frailty at the back, particularly coming down the right side. And as it's, it's very simple to point the fingers at individual defenders like uh, Trent or Joe Gomez, but if it comes to a one-on-one at in this Liverpool system, something else has failed. But it was great to see Thiago back. He he ruled that game. Yeah, just a point. Class, like. Just a point on Thiago. I don't know if you've uh, seen this or heard this. Um, I was listening to the Football Weekly podcast, and Philippe uh, Oclair had done some sort of analysis on uh, games with Thiago versus games without Thiago, and there is almost one point per game difference between the two. So that, as you said, that talks about the influence that this guy has on the team, particularly in terms of winning the ma- matches. yeah just no no doubting that i mean let's let's not get to get it 
one way or the other he is an outstanding world class player and he shows what liverpool's midfield has been missing all the times when it was going with a functional midfield but that stat should be taken with a pinch of salt i mean the season where he missed most of the games was the season was everybody else missed most of the games and we really struggled that season so we did lose a lot of points that season um, but that said i think the team is still a little bit incomplete the right side of midfield is still a bit incomplete the less we have to play milner the better i mean as good as he is as dependable as he is he's eighth choice for a reason so if he's starting games in the champions league we're in a bit of trouble it's it's good that we are getting our team back uh, i'm still worried about the right side i'm still worried about virgil van dijk he's nowhere close to his best see to be honest he wasn't his best even last season but a virgil van dijk at 8 on 10 is still probably in the top 3 4 defenders in the world he's probably dropped a level below that as well this season so i'm a bit worried about that but overall positive signs so moving on um from liverpool to ex liverpool i know we're going to uh, talk later about uh, the domestic league performances but uh, ashwin uh, bayern had a victory against barcelona which didn't seem that uh, comfortable i mean they did win 2-0 but uh, barcelona had loads of chances lewandowski missed a hatful of them probably trying to finally endear himself to the crowd at the allianz arena but um yeah life is not all rose at bayern i think it was a very strange strange win i would say like uh in the first half i thought that barcelona actually were the better side you could see uh, pedri and gavi threatening the bayern goal quite a bit uh, i think it was rk you who mentioned about how pedri has been playing and has been uh, has been impressive over the past many games bayern have been struggling domestically as well swag so I, it wasn't it wasn't particularly a surprise to me that they were struggling against well not struggling struggling is probably too harsh a word but they were not at their very best but barca must be a really shit team to lose to the fifth place bundesliga club man. so who's the real farmers league they're pulling all the levers uh, rather so maybe that's 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 why one good thing about barca though i have to say um, spain squad was announced and I'm, i was delighted to see that tiago was not in the squad you have busquets gavi and i think the entire midfield of barcelona is uh, going for to the spanish squad so they yeah they keep churning out these midfielders that's good at least from a liverpool point of view yeah pedri was outstanding uh, in that game like uh, his close control uh, his passing and he has a great engine as well he gets around the pitch i think we have our next uh, you know midfield leader of this generation uh, talking of ex liverpool swag uh, what about ex chelsea Christensen and Alonso were responsible for the two goals that Barca gave away. Well, the first on like I, I think Alonso it was who lost the set piece, uh, and then Christensen couldn't track the runs. So Chelsea uh, like doing a bit of favor to Bayern. Yeah, or or probably trying to get one back for Rafinha. Uh, so Alonso is is a, is a very funny character because uh, he's. on multiple occasions felt like he's about to depart chelsea when lampard came in he apparently had a bust up with him in in the, in the team bus uh, after a loss we had i think against west brom if i'm not mistaken so it, it felt like okay he's and then he was dropped from the team he didn't come back to the team it felt like yeah okay he's he's gone he'll definitely go in the next window he survived lampard's uh, departure as well it it's so funny that when tuchel went i talked to a friend and i said he's he's just missed outlasting tukel as well by just 6 days so yeah but uh, also i think uh, coming to barca uh, they made a couple of 
I I wouldn't say mistakes, but couple of changes which affected them a bit. I think the only positive for Bayern in that first half seemed to be, uh, from my point of view, Alfonso Davies. Although he was struggling a bit against Rafinha, but on the attack he was really causing problems. And I think what that happened, what happened because of that was probably that was the reason for switching Rafinha and Dembele. And I think that affected Barca's attacking a bit. Lewandowski, as you said, not really for some reason. I mean, we know the reasons, but unfortunately, not very well liked at Bayern, and that's try uh, that seemed to give him cold feet. Nothing came together for him in the final touch, the final finish. Right. Moving on, just just a mention of uh, Chelsea Salzburg. So Chelsea are in big big trouble because we drew against Salzburg. So we have one point from uh, a possible six. Uh, this was Graham Potter's first game in charge. Uh, we saw some interesting bits coming out already. Raheem Sterling at uh, left wing back was was something that not many people were expecting. Moving on from the Champions League, uh, we're not doing a roundup of um, the Europa and Conference leagues. Um, not much to talk about there uh, this week. Staying on on the Chelsea theme, uh, Todd Bowley had a lot of airtime this week, where uh, because of his comments in a conference where uh, he talked about potentially doing an all-star game or a North versus South game uh, in the Premier League. That's, that's been in the news, and most of most of the people have said they don't like the idea at all, and it's the Americanization of uh, football. I mean, I for one wouldn't mind that once a season sort of a game potentially replacing the charity shield as well. There's there's, there's not much that comes out of the charity shield. This this could be a fun thing to do. I don't think practically it's going to be possible for teams to release just like one player or two players and without any time for training, etc. to to gel together. Uh, to, to get into it, uh, but let's give it a try. Why don't we try and make uh, a North eleven versus a South eleven? I'm I'm the only representative from a South supporting team today. I'll I'll borrow RK for uh, this one, so RK and me can potentially try and form a South eleven. Uh, while uh, Radha and Ashwin, you can go for a North eleven. Ashwin, why don't you start us off? I think it's an absolutely incredible idea. We should definitely go for it. Uh... I, for one, I feel that the charity shield, community shield, or whatever it's called now, has kind of lost its sheen. I've, I've not really watched the previous few versions. It's usually Manchester City versus some other team, right? So it's 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 like very repetitive for me. Uh, so maybe potentially replacing the charity shield with uh, with the North versus South eleven with the money going to charity. Uh, makes sense. So let's start uh, position by position and we can have uh, the pick of the North team and uh, pick of the South team. Just just to keep it simple, let's keep the formation as 4-3-3 uh, with a I mean uh, a, a back four, uh, a, a central defensive midfielder, two centre mids, um, right wing, left wing and a striker. Why doesn't the North start us off with their pick for a goalkeeper? I would say, like, I would, for me, it is Ederson. Yeah, nice to get off with a nice uh, disagreement right at the right at the off there. Uh, <laughs> I, I me, Allison, why. all I day. The, <laughs> the only, I mean, uh, the only uh, thing I will probably concede to Ederson is he is easily the best goalkeeper with the ball at his feet in the world. Uh, but in terms of the the keeping attributes with your hand, I think it's very hard to get past Allison. It's an interesting one. You keep watching the Brazil team because they don't seem to know who the best keeper is either. They keep switching between the two. 
I think uh, there's there's a stark difference between the levels of goalkeepers that the North has versus the levels of goalkeepers that South has. And here uh, we, we we've been wondering whether, I mean, who is less error prone? Should we take Mendy or should we take uh, Ramsdale? But I guess I'll just say Mendy because he's my club guy and. Uh, We'll, we'll just go with that. I guess one of the most interesting positions is the right back. The North guys, this is turning into a Game of Thrones episode. I, I would I would, I would, would go for Trent. Oh, I'm not going to disagree on that one. <laughs> After all that passionate defending of Trent, I don't think he's going to say anything else. At, at, least, at least one of us can passionately defend. Eh? The pick of the South, uh, I guess it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's, it's got to be Reese James. Um, and uh, for for me, I would say that he just shades uh, Trent as as a right back, definitely. So let's come to the centre back pairing, and uh, we'll so let's start off with the South team here. Uh, so we've gone for Saliba, who's the flavour of the season. RK, you want to give us the partner for an Arsenal centre back? I have gone for Christian Romero because uh, of the pace. Uh, Thiago, I think. Uh, would be the favourite for most people, but probably just looking at the pace uh, or the vulnerability on one-on-one part of it, I have gone for Romero. Because uh, Romero, whenever he's played, Spurs have looked very, very solid. And when he's not played, they have not done been so good. Right. So, what's the North coming up with? I think it, it, might, be, uh, <clears throat> it might be a position where both Radha and I agree on. Uh, Virgil van Dijk. It's funny because Radha and I have this sheet and... Uh, I basically have loads of Manchester City players or United players and Radha basically has just added a lo- loads of Liverpool players right next to it. I'm going to share this uh, sh- sheet with everybody. I've added, I'm the only person who's added players from other teams that are not City and Liverpool. So that's a very unfair comment. Let's see your pick for the other centre-back. We- we'll decide that. I've, I've gone for Ruben Diaz. I'm willing to concede Ruben Diaz not for last season. I think he was not the best last season. Definitely one of the top centre-backs in the world as well. So, moving on to left-back, um, RK, who's our pick? Kukurela is uh, like an outstanding candidate there, although there's good competition from Zinchenko, there's good competition from Tierney. And the North counter? I would go for Cancelo. At the moment, at least, one of the best inverted full-backs that we are seeing. This is one that I have to begrudgingly accept. Robertson is probably one of my favourite players ever, Like, but uh, Cancelo is a different different ball game completely okay so we've been seeing you guys fight over man city and uh, liverpool plays let's take it up a notch let's get to a position where you've got city united liverpool everyone so who are you picking for the defensive midfielder position what city have done over the last five years is so difficult to go past them so i i would still stick to my city candidate right like i would still go for rodri Uh, casemiro hasn't proven a lot in the premier league yet so while he is one of the best central defensive midfielders of the last five, six years, or even longer, I would still go for Rodri to provide uh, that cover that Trent needs. I think if Ashwin continues to have, have his way, the North will have just 11, the Man City 11, that's it. I have to say that while Ashwin started talking, Varan was not in the list. It got added at the last possible millisecond. It was a blank list. It was Virgil van Dijk and nobody else. And suddenly Varan appeared there. But yeah, but um, yeah, central defensive midfielder again. It's between I guess Rodri and uh, Fabinho. Fabinho again for me last one and a half seasons he's dropped his level a bit. Yeah, I think it it makes sense that we're having so many discussions about 
the city players and the liverpool players these have been the two teams that have dominated the league in the last 4 5 seasons so it makes sense that it's it's quite frankly a toss up between uh, players of these two teams for uh, these positions and uh, for us uh, i guess we've gone with parte we have a slightly thinner field to choose from we don't have really? as rich options yeah the north versus south is probably not going to be a very interesting game if it actually ever happens particularly given the current uh, look more, of the squad so more we've balance, gone for more uh, yeah so we, we probably we might have to do an east versus west or something else something like that or odd versus even probably something something different there so for for center mids uh, moving on uh, we have uh, rice and we've got odegard so i mean rice and partey can probably interchange positions uh, as uh, needed and odegard obviously has the more creative force so that's where we see our uh, midfield uh, what do you think i guess there's one guy who's definitely going to be there Uh, I'm not going to say his the, name the because you're going to accuse me of taking all city players but we we know who we are talking about uh, but I'll go for the yeah. second one uh, for me it will be uh, for me it will be uh, Thiago Alcantara uh, outstanding player no arguments there <laughs> I think the least arguments would be about the other midfielder that we have in the team that's of course Kevin De Bruyne and I think you should put him in the south team as well just in case please don't rub any more salt on my wounds Anyway, moving on. Um, I think uh, the front three we've got um, striker, left wing, and right wing. And uh, for the south, grudgingly, I th- I think it's a close run affair. But uh, our front three is the Spurs front three. I don't know. I don't know what sort of uh, bias has got a United and a Chelsea fan going all guns blazing for Spurs players. Saka for sure. I, I think. I think had. Had Up been here, yeah. he would have provided you know some balance, and he would have just gotten rid of all the Spurs uh, players. Kulusevski too short uh, a tenure, perhaps. Yeah. Then Son and Kane. I think, yeah, uh, you know, however good Jesus has been, I don't think you can compare Son and Kane uh, with you know Martinelli and Jesus. So who's your front three? I'm assuming it's uh, Darwin and. Uh, <laughs> So I'm 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 gonna go for uh, Salah because Salah, um, and then I'm going going for Luis Diaz, and then you know who at the top. Of course, there's there's if there is anyone who's less likely to be questioned apart from Kevin De Bruyne is the monster amongst men, which is not Braun Strowman but Erling Braut Haaland. Well, if it was last season, I think Rafinha would have had a very good shout to be in this team, but. not anymore well if it was this um, season and he had agreed to join us maybe he would have been part of the south team right so it seems like there's quite a bit of difference between the north team and the south team to be very honest it's it's probably i think this might be the one reason why this idea doesn't get uh, to fruition if for nothing else because if if these two teams actually took to the pitch it's is going to be a bloodbath it doesn't make sense now north versus south doesn't make sense with the level of this city and liverpool team i think you need to be more creative you need to do red versus blue or something of that sort or city versus rest of the league that's also <laughs> worth a shout 
yeah they'll probably win and, that and as well and not allowed to play <laughs> what that brings but yeah this this looks pretty uh, this looks like a concept which is not going anywhere so the fact that we've spent all this time uh, making these elevens is has probably just proven the fact that this this is probably not something that Todd Bowley can bring to fruition but at least it's a, it's a good idea it's it's a good thought and it's got us thinking so no harm in that uh, that brings us to the end of part 2 and uh, at the beginning of part 3 we'll start with the women's super league Hello welcome back uh, so part 3 we are starting with uh, the review of the first game week of the WSL Chelsea as defending champions had a surprise loss to Liverpool even before we talk about the results i think this particular season of WSL is something that the world will be looking into just with the success that the three lionesses have had uh, so i'm really following this um, obviously will be following man united i'm not really sure if they will uh, do an- anything good for themselves but Chelsea versus Liverpool was probably the standout fixture this week. I wasn't expecting Liverpool Liverpool to win. I'm pretty sure you as a Chelsea fan as well weren't really expecting Chelsea to lose. Yeah, two and that goals. too when we had already gone into the lead. So so when I checked the score yeah. the first time, we were already leading 1-0. Kerr had a goal ruled offside. So I was like, yeah, okay, this is fine. This will be fine. Unfortunately not to be. Yeah, and two two goals from the spot. It, it was a breath of fresh air to see chelsea losing because obviously they they won the league last time out i think it was a good game liverpool have come out of nowhere there in the second division last year they don't particularly have a really good team as well so it was it was good to see liverpool win this yeah. week the only um, sliver of hope uh, from this was uh, so last season when we started uh, the wsl as well chelsea lost in the first or the second game week to arsenal so which is why we yeah. ended up playing catch up for a very long time and we just about managed to pip them to the post uh, by the time the season ended we've lost again uh, at the start of the season arsenal have won so we're already yeah. playing catch up again i think yeah. chelsea and arsenal both have had good summers they've brought in some more players they've strengthened their squads as well you said you don't know uh, how well they would do but uh, i think uh, a more pressing issue is your neighbors across the road uh, the man city club has not been doing well so they've um, had folks uh, who they've lost in the pre-season they've had uh, georgia stanway leave they've had uh, caroline where uh, leave they've now also had kira walsh leave on a world record transfer fee so it's it's basically their entire uh, midfield that's gone their, their entire starting midfield is gone and not sure uh, what the future holds for them which is why i think liverpool beating chelsea was quite a big surprise but villa beating city despite the fact that city are so high profile it didn't feel that big it didn't uh, and i did uh, i know before the pod we were discussing about the high profile departures that man city have had but it's i i still feel it's a bit of a wait and watch there but what i was trying to say earlier swag is what a time it is to be an arsenal fan both the men's team and the women's team are like top of the league i know we could, we have been trying to get arun into the into the pod but like had we had him like we would have definitely seen him enjoying the fact that both the teams are like top i i don't know how how much happiness he'll uh, show outwardly he may he might just say you know <laughs> we're still going to lose but obviously with inside he must be really really happy 
So, moving on from the WSL, uh, let's do a roundup of the European leagues. I think we've had quite a few talking points uh, this week. Let's start with uh, La Liga. Anyone up for salsa and samba dancing? Definitely. That was the one thing I was looking forward to. Even if Vinicius didn't score, someone Real Madrid scored, I was sure that it would end up in a dance. What better thing than for another fellow Brazilian to score and... Uh, for us to witness that in uh, you know in front of uh, the atletico fans especially after hundreds of them you know making monkey chants before the game while going in great retort yeah and uh, i think uh, his entire brazilian uh, brethren have rallied around him uh, jesus uh, posted something similar uh, after scoring as well so it's 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 nice to see i mean people coming to to him, basically, rallying around him. And they seemed very passionate when they scored and they did the dance. It, it seemed like, yeah, they were waiting to score so that they could make this point. Regardless of, as you said, who would have scored it. It didn't have to be Vinicius. Yeah, and the Brazilian Federation, Neymar, everyone had posted videos in the lead-up to the game. So, uh, Neymar had posted a clip of him, Paqueta and, and Vinicius dancing. It was great to see. See, the Brazilians love their football, right? And... Like, we shouldn't be stopping them from enjoying the thing that they like doing. It's it's just frustrating and annoying that even today, we see <clears throat> racist chants directed at players. Um, that should not be happening. Uh, and I think it's the perfect response from some of the president players, spearheaded by Vinny. Um, yeah, I was so happy to see everyone coming together, just enjoying what they love doing. And uh, I was really happy to see Atletico lose. Uh, not that I care about Atletico or Real Madrid for that matter, but like it was just a really good statement. I feel. Yeah. I mean, and... funny thing was, uh, I think uh, RK, we discussed this before the pod. Uh, the Griezmann situation finally took a turn for the better, right? For him. Yeah. After all the like, pass the ball between Atletico and Barca to pay, like, like who's going to pay for his transfer, or is nobody going to pay for it? Finally, seems like Atletico chose one of those games which will fill his 5% quota in which he can play or, you know, start this season. Pretty hilarious set of yeah. circumstances for him. I mean, if not against Real, then against who? I don't know if he can even play against Barcelona. Probably there's a clause in his contract saying he's not allowed to. But yeah, it's been hilarious as as clockwork. I mean, pro- Simeone probably tells his uh, team uh, to kick the ball out as soon as the clock strikes 60 minutes so that we can bring Griezmann and, on. And uh, you know, wonder what he must be telling the guy who, you know, Griezmann, in, uh, you know, inevitably replaces. You are going to go out of the 60 minutes, okay? <laughs> Correct. And... It's regardless of the match situation, whether Atletico is winning, whether they're losing, if they're chasing a goal, if they want to hold folks back, I don't care. Someone's going to go out, Griezmann's going to come in. I mean, such a hilarious situation that uh, all this transfer nonsense from Barcelona has ended up into. Moving on to the Bundesliga, Bayern is going from strength to depth, I guess. Yeah, I mean... See, I, I told you guys, it's a, it is an exciting league to watch. See, at the end of the year, I'm pretty sure Bayern will end up winning. But it's it's the team below Bayern who are like, I, who I feel I re, are really competitive. So, Dortmund won the Revere Derby. They won 1-0 to Schalke. But I would want to, you know, touch base upon the revenge of the Marco Rosa. Uh, he got his win. He's now at Leipzig and he got his win over over Dortmund. And did not that, that did not really end well. Uh, uh, when he left, so I think I think that was revenge test, the best served goal. 
Bayern are currently at fifth, right? I think with Tuchel being out and also the fact that uh, I, I think Nagelsmann is, a, is in a bit of a pressure because that's not that's not a position that Bayern Munich are used to being in. Uh, so yeah, let's see how Bundesliga keeps us excited with all these upset results. Uh, but Ashwin, whatever you say, I think the Bundesliga is still a farmer's league. It's just that this group jinxed it. That's it. No, and and, well, and let's just agree to agree to disagree on that. No, just to show you how much of a farmer's league it is. It's like if a manager is unbeaten in six games with three wins and three draws, he was under pressure to be sacked. That's the expectation of Bayern Munich in that league. It has to be six wins out of six or you're in trouble. But yeah, I'm, I mean, all things uh, considered, it is a pretty poor start for any team and Bayern especially. Uh, they should, of course, like Ashwin said, 100% expect them to win the league. Uh, but yeah, pretty shocking start. And I think last week uh, there was some chat about um, how Sadio Mane is enjoying life. Uh, but actually, he doesn't seem to be. He got off to a pretty good start. But there's been a lot of chat mm. after that about him... <coughs> Um, probably not gelling, maybe not playing in the right positions, people talking about his physicality. So I don't think he's actually having a very good time over there. And for one reason or the other, it doesn't seem to be going well with any of the Liverpool guys from last season. Yeah, and Nagelsmann pointedly also said that it has to do with uh, you know how much he stressed out for Liverpool in the in the previous seasons. And uh, I guess uh, Ashwin would probably want us to believe that uh, the Bundesliga, when when that's concerned, it's more like Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. It's more about the journey and not about the destination, which is inevitably <laughs> Bayern winning. Uh, but yeah, you talked about Tuchel uh, being available and that puts some pressure on um, Nagelsmann as well. Another team that's probably keeping an eye out on Tuchel is Juventus. Allegri is not doing well. Juventus is struggling. And um, I mean, as a Chelsea fan and generally as well, I guess uh, you would say that Tuchel, we've had this discussion that Tuchel is definitely among uh, the elite managers available. uh, Now he's available in the market. So if you have the opportunity to get him it definitely makes sense to uh, get him in as soon as possible. Particularly with Allegri playing such a defensive style of football that they're not even able to beat Monza. I mean, they lost to Monza, which is the first ever Serie A game that Monza has won, has been against Juventus. So that's that's quite a... And, uh, yeah. and it was pretty striking to see how uh, badly uh, like they played against Monza. Like Monza dominated them on XG. It was... Something like 2.9, 2.5 or something in favor of Monza. So that's how how bad it was for Juventus. And uh, I think Juventus have really struggled with, you know, very haphazard planning. So they have tried to get so-called systems guys, but their like playing team is a uh, you know most of the players are from Allegri's era. Uh, they got in you know people like Ronaldo basically who are not purely system guys, and they are struggling between those two. And now. I think they are in a real bind. And from that perspective, I think Tuchel would be a great signing for them. If they want to proceed in that direction, uh, I think Tuchel is a great manager to have. I don't think we should be talking about XG. Like the special one tried to change his tactics and had like a 2.5 or 2.6 XG and managed to lose and managed to do what he's currently best at, which is losing. So uh, let's not talk about XG. Yeah, but um, another game that uh, caught 
the fancy of people around uh, the world was Milan versus Napoli Milan the current champion and it's it's nice to see Giroud with uh, who's gone back to his streak days in terms of his hairdo so he's he's making every effort to look as stylish as he usually does it it was a pretty even game and Ideally, it could have finished 2-2 with a strike uh, by Milan coming off the crossbar uh, towards the end of the game. But uh, Napoli are looking strong. So we've seen and we've talked about in detail about what they did uh, to Liverpool as well. So it's not just Europe. They're also looking strong in the league as well. So good things potentially to come out of it. Just one point before we move on from this. Uh, So for the Milan-Napoli game, Luciano Spalletti was in the stands. He was banned. This season has been very funnily highly active in terms of managers being banned from the touchline. We've already had Conte, we've had Tuchel, now we've got Spalletti as well. So, um, very angry managers around the world right now. So, then it's a great league for Tuchel to join, right? You can just wade right in. <laughs> yeah, potentially, potentially. So, finally... Uh, at the end of uh, today's pod, uh, I just want to uh, give a mention to the upcoming game week, which is obviously going to happen after the international break. Uh, we're going to have two high-profile derbies. So we're going to have Arsenal versus Tottenham. That should be one to look out for. Uh, we're also going to have Man City facing off against Manchester United. And already Twitter is abuzz with uh, what Lissandro Martinez can do against Haaland. And he's the only guy who's been able to stop him. So let's see what happens in uh, two weeks' time. In closing, uh, I'd just like to thank you guys for coming on to the pod today. Um, thank you to our listeners. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Have a good night. Bye.